Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Well, I'm excited to share the word today. Also just want to point out if you are considering the Bible school, especially I see Dr. Jim Corder over there. He's starting over in Genesis. And if you have never done an in-depth study of the Old Testament, it is unbelievable. So I just want you to think about that. If you see in your notes, um, we are t- starting a series today called It's Not Fair. Just tell somebody, it's not fair. Um, if you have raised kids, you have probably heard that many times. It's not fair. They got to sit in the front last time. And uh, we, we see this in a culture today. How many know it's easy to become entitled? It's easy to feel like, you owe me something. What's going on here? I mean, I'm in Mexico, and, and I'm uh, hanging up my towel in the hotel, and the whole towel rack falls. I said, what's going on? Don't they know who I am? I can't believe it. Oh, yeah, I'm just a servant of God. I forgot. Whoa, you know. We... we we, we, we see lines, someone cuts in line, and we think we're going to have a heart attack. That's not fair. Now, can I, can I tell you that the, the idea of sensing fairness is good social etiquette. But when it comes to what I want to share about experiencing the grace of God in a powerful, personal way, this idea of I deserve this can deeply get in the way of this mindset that we can be so focused on what we deserve that we miss what God has for us that we don't deserve. You know what we don't deserve? God's forgiveness, <laughs> God's grace. And, and unless we are, are able to humble ourselves, we're going to learn that today, we'll miss so much. You see, what God wants to give us is not something that we, we get through our attainments. It's something that we get through his atonement. Jesus died to give us everything we don't deserve. The Bible says it's by grace that we are saved. Uh, this word grace in your notes is this idea of unmerited favor. You, you know, the, this idea, you are favored. You get to wear the crown. Why? Just because God is good and Jesus died for you. I've used this acronym before, G-R-A-C-E. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. It's God giving to us, not because we're God. Heard the story of, a, of this father took his son on a birthday party at the amusement park. He had his four friends with him and he had bought all the tickets to the best rides. And somehow along the line, little Johnny met another guy that was just walking around the amusement park. And uh, the little guy starts hanging around with them. And they get to the next ride, and the father's handing out tickets. And all of a sudden, this new guy just holds his hand out. He says, who are you? Why should I give you a ticket? He says, well, I'm Johnny's new best friend. <laughs> How many know God has grace for you just because Jesus is your new best friend? Just because he loves you. Look at this verse in Psalms 103, verses 10 through 12. This is just such a great uh, theme verse. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) How many are thankful if God 
gave you and I what we deserved, we'd be in a whole heap of trouble. Or repay us according to our iniquities. Read it with me. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. I, I, one translation said, as far as the sunrise is from the sunset. That's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. Thank you, Lord. You see, grace brings to us a whole new way of thinking. That's why I call this sermon, Living the Best Life You Don't Deserve. That's what God has for you. The best life, all of which you don't deserve. All that come simply because we are the beneficiaries of God and his mercy coming to us. Let me just give you some thoughts. If God were fair, we might think about it. If God just gave everybody what they deserve, certainly God wouldn't have chosen Moses or Paul <laughs> to be his chosen vessels, Right? Because they weren't worthy. They didn't deserve it. Jesus wouldn't have spent time with outcasts. He would have stayed in church with the good people if God gave people what they deserved. Certainly, Peter would have got fired after denying he knew Jesus, didn't know Jesus, right? <laughs> he would have got rid of those guys if they got what they deserved. He wouldn't have told children that they're first in the kingdom of God because they haven't worked for it. In the story of the prodigal son, the elder brother would have got the party, not the prodigal. And of course, Jesus, God's perfect son, would have never become humiliated and put to death on a cross. That's just not fair. But God came to change completely what we think of fair because he did not come to give us another religion. And if there's one thing religion does is it teaches us to think that we are accepted by our moral merit, by the scorecard. We, we've done better than other people. Therefore, God should accept us. And Jesus came and he brought a whole different mindset. In fact, the religious people of his day got so mad, they killed him, right? Because he would come and, and he would just challenge their thinking. He would say, you think that you're going to be accepted by God, by your works? By keeping the law? Do you think you've kept all? I said, yes, we have kept all the Ten Commandments. Jesus said, how about the, the tenth one, thou shalt not covet? You know what that one means? That means if, if you even wanted to break the other nine, <laughs> you say, have you ever killed someone? No. Have you ever wanted to kill someone? Uh, you're a murderer. <laughs> have you ever committed adultery? No. Have you ever wanted to? Have you ever lusted in your heart? You're, you're an adulterer. In fact, Jesus said, if you were guilty of, of just one of these in your heart, you're guilty of breaking the whole law. So fat chance you're getting into the kingdom of God because you're so good. You see, if you walk on the street and you ask people this question, why should God let you in heaven? You know what you'll hear 80% of the time? You'll hear, well, I'm a good person. I keep the Ten Commandments, or most of them. I, I somehow have merited that. And yet, Jesus came and he said that those who live under the curse of trying to be good enough, those who try to be good, they're living under a curse. They're, they're never going to find that acceptance because it cannot be achieved, it cannot be attained 
It's something God has done for us. Aren't you thankful Jesus ran the race? He says, all right, you're ready to run this life. On your mark, get set. And then he runs it, gets the gold medal and says, you win. But I didn't run. Yeah, but I lived the life you should have lived. And I died the death you should have died. So you get the forgiveness. You get the favor that I had. See, I like to say, Jesus wore a crown, our crown of thorns, so we could wear his crown of favor, of, of being as he is, seated in heavenly places in Christ, <laughs> just in his righteousness. How did I get there? By grace. I didn't deserve it. I could never pay enough. And so Jesus constantly Challenge the status quo. And he, and he was trying to say this. If you want to really experience what God has for you, you've got to go from an I deserve this mindset to I don't deserve it. But by your grace, I receive it. A humble, broken, contrite spirit before the Lord. We're going to see more about that. Why is this so important? As I said, it's the key to receiving God's favor. Now, this is what's on my heart today. Many Christians have received God's forgiveness, but I don't believe they walk in God's favor. They're like, well, yeah, I think I'll squeak in someday. But they don't wake up in the morning and say, I am the beloved of God. <laughs> He's just crazy about me. You see, the word favor means the absolute confidence that because God is for you, you are going to end up on top. No matter what situation, you are favored. You are highly favored. God is on your side. See, that's favor. And many people live, oh, you know, I just hope. God, I hope you'll hear my prayer. But God wants to give you another. So many people, I say, live like slaves or like orphans, not like sons and daughters. Not with the boldness. I am a child of God, you know. Look at this verse in Romans 5, 17. I love it. Paul explains grace. He says, for if by the trespass of one man, Adam, death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant Provision. Notice the word receive, not achieve. Those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Can you say reign in life? That, that, that's what he's saying. If you can receive enough grace, you're going to be on top. You're going to be favored. You know, I heard someone ask a guy, how are you doing? He says, okay, under the circumstances. He said, well, why are you doing under the circumstances? <laughs> You're supposed to be on top of them because God is with you. I love this mindset of a, a what does it mean to a mindset of favor? I, I was reading about Todd Lincoln, who was Abraham Lincoln's son, and how bold he would just walk right into the president's office, and Abraham Lincoln would just defend him. Now, this is my son. He has access. One day, he meets a guy on the street that, he had just been drafted, but his mother was dying, and he knew he was going to be arrested. He just he couldn't do both. And, and Todd says, no problem. Let's go talk to my dad. He takes him right in the White House. It says, could you give this guy a pardon so he doesn't have to go to war? And Abraham Lincoln. How many know we can go boldly to the throne of grace? 
Why? Because of Jesus. Now, why this is so important is that many people, I believe, though they have grace, they underappropriate it. It's not that you have been forgiven or have grace, but it's how, whether or not you apply grace to every area of your heart. What I, what I want to do in this series is to challenge you to determine that you will allow everything Christ did for you to change everything that needs to happen in you. See, it's not enough to just know, yeah, God's grace, God's grace. But are you, are you applying it? You know, I just thought of the example of, of living in America. We have this amazing privilege to live in a land where our forefathers died for us to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But yet, you look at citizens today, there are many citizens, how many know there's many citizens, but few patriots, right? There are many who say, yeah, I get to live in this land. Many are just completely indifferent. Some literally are entitled. We're better than everyone else. Some rarely think of anything about it or sacrifice, but there are a few people, I call them patriots, who say, I cannot believe that I get to live in America and that people died for my freedom. What happens because of that? They say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for others to have freedom too. See, they, they go beyond, oh, that's just something I can take for granted. Can I tell you, someone said that Christianity, if you understand the difference between Christianity and religion, religion is duty, Christianity is gratitude. It, it is, God, I am so humbled. Therefore, I serve you, not because I have to, I say it not because of duty, but because of delight. I, I do this. How could I not but serve you? How could I not but sacrifice my life? How could I not but love you? My, my heart, you see, all of us at Easter time, we're going we're gonna to hear about Jesus dying on the cross and rising again. And so many people hear that, but they don't receive that. I don't want you just to hear it. I want you to feel God's passion for you in such a way that it causes you to have passion for him. How many know Jesus is really into you? <laughs> but how many know a lot of people aren't that into Jesus? Why? They don't know his love. And I just tell people, Jesus died for you. Well, well listen at night, holiday. No, no, the God of heaven came to earth for you. Do you get it? Oh, that's nice. No. You were two seconds from hell. Jesus died. You were the thief on the cross. Oh. Let that break you, friends. Let that humble you. I was meditating on the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, on which the Prince of Glory died. It just spoke to me. Were such love, such grace, how could I not give my heart, my soul, my all? This grace, as I said, it, it changes us because grace doesn't teach us behavior modification, it teaches us heart transformation. Grace 
makes you want to serve God because when you feel it, I like what Tim Keller said. He said, grace is the kiss of beauty that changes the beast into a prince. See, that's what Paul felt on the way to Damascus. A murderer. And then God says, I choose you. And he goes from a beast to a prince. Grace is that which reveals to you the value that you have that changes how you see yourself. No one changes, as I said, by grit. It's only by gratitude that you will ever be a true Christian. Because your best, your, your, you know, your New Year's resolutions, you're going to break those. But when grace overwhelms your heart, you're changed forever. You see, grace doesn't just challenge your ability, but it changes your identity. I like this verse in 1 Corinthians 15.10, if we have it. 1 Corinthians 15.10. Paul said it this way, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Say it with me. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. You see, grace, it changes. Once you see in the mirror how God values you, it changes how you value yourself, how you think of yourself, what you want to be. Heard the story of a, of a brother he was in kind of rehab and in this home, and he was trying to be a Christian, but he still struggled with his addictions, and he was just kind of struggling to wonder if he could really follow God. He had just come off the streets, you know, and, and just was a part of that culture. And, and so somehow in the rehab, he got a job working at a five-star hotel. And, and the crazy thing is he had to wear a white tuxedo waiting on people. And so he starts to go, and here's this guy off the streets, but all of a sudden he's wearing this white tuxedo. He won't walk anymore in mud puddles. He shines his shoes every day. He said he noticed that he started talking different. He stood up straight. He, he, he had his hair combed. All of a sudden, he began to see himself a little bit different. Oh, I'm the guy with the white tuxedo. And then God spoke to him. And says, do you know that every day of your life, you wear the righteousness of Jesus? You are without blemish in my eyes. Do you know that your new nature, you are not just a forgiven sinner. You are a brand new you. You are redeemed. You are a man of God. You are chosen. And all of a sudden, he just found himself getting rid of his addictions. Why? Because grace had changed who he saw himself to be. Friend, God wants you to look at yourself today in the mirror of his grace and say, look how beautiful you are. You, you know, 50-something times the Bible uses these little phrases, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. You are a new creation, in Christ. You can do all things through Christ, in Christ. You are not just you, you are in Christ. And your worth and your value is not on what you are, but whose you are. Heard another cool story about Queen Elizabeth way back when she was a little girl. Her and her sister Margaret, the Balmoray Castle in Scotland. They were just, they kind of got lost trying to find their castle. And they went to these old farmhouses and they were trying to ask their way home. And, they, and Elizabeth knocks on this door and 
they say hi, and she's saying, do you know where the, this castle is or something? And they say, wait a second. Aren't you, uh, are, aren't you somebody? And she says, uh, no, sir. I'm nobody, but my dad is the king. <laughs> and I love that. Who, aren't you somebody? I'm just me, but my dad is the king of the universe. Jesus is my savior. He calls me his beloved. I'm going to be a co-heir with him forever. It changes you. It empowers you to ask, expect, and receive great things. For Christ has made you a beneficiary. John 14 says you can ask anything in his name. Why? Because when you have his name, you are asking in his righteousness. As though it were Jesus asking for that. Do you realize that? Heard about a missionary in Africa, and he was ministering to the chief. And all of a sudden, the chief said, I want to give you something. Here's my walking stick. He says, okay, well, that's cool. He says, no, you don't understand. This is my authority. If you ever ask anyone in this kingdom for anything, it will be the same as if I was asking them. He says, go, go over in that store, try this. Go ask for that whole shelf of food. He goes, hi, uh, uh, could I have that whole shelf of food? They just run. Of course. You got the chief staff. How many know how powerful it is that you have the name of Jesus? You have the right and authority. In my name, you shall cast out demons. In my name, the things that I did, you're going to do and greater works than these because I stand before the Father to verify, to solidify, to back up every request you ask in my name. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. hallelujah. It's this grace that gets rid of guilt. And here's what's, what religion does. Religion see, Jesus, I say, Jesus did not come to give us a religion. He came to give us to get rid of religion. Because religion has in this mindset, I've got to pay for my sins. I, I, you know, if only I hadn't done that. Religion lives in the land of guilt. I, I'm not what I should be. Oh, but maybe. In fact, religion says God's probably punishing you. If something's going wrong, it's probably because you deserve it. Religion puts this horrible yoke on people. Because it tells you your status is based on whether you're good or not good enough. And how many know religion always leaves us not good enough? We never do enough. But Jesus comes and says, I will remember your sins no more. As far as the east is from the west. But Lord, I've sinned so much. What sin? I, I removed it, man. But, but I don't know. You don't understand. You have my righteousness. I was just hearing a testimony. I think it was Lisa Turquist or someone like her. And she was just talking about this great struggle she was having as a public person. She would start to get the cancel culture and Facebook. And all these people would criticize her. And, and she would start to feel so insecure. And she would start to say, yeah, man, I shouldn't be a preacher. I am just, I got too many issues. And she just started to to feel what a lot of us feel. And one day she's reading uh, Romans 8.31, and it just says that, who are we? He says that, that Christ, he says, is, is literally 
standing at the right hand of God. Who can condemn us? Christ is our advocate. Who could separate us from the love of God? Jesus died for us. He shared his blood. There is therefore now no condemnation. And, and, and all of a sudden she began to realize, wait a second. There's only one person in all of history that could rightfully accuse me. Who knows everything about, how many know Jesus knows all about you? He knows everything you should have done, didn't do, did do, shouldn't have done. Everything you wanted to do, if you could have got away with it, you would have done it. He knows it all. Every little dirty secret. He knows it. And he chose you in spite of it. And he bore your sins on the cross. And he said, it's finished. And she got this revelation. The only one qualified who could accuse me has chosen not to be my accuser, but has chosen to be my advocate. To stand on my behalf. And this, this, the comment I love, she said, whatever you think of me, however badly you think of me, I guarantee you I am worse than that. But I am also more loved, more cherished, more forgiven than anyone will ever know. I don't need your approval. I don't need their approval. I've got the approval of the Son of God. Grace removes all the basis for us to judge others or feel superior. Once you know that you don't deserve anything, how can you look at somebody with contempt or superiority? It removes racism, ageism. It removes every basis for anyone who thinks they're one step above another person simply does not know the true nature of their guilt. Has not yet humbled themselves to realize that it was their sin, just it was, it was my sin that nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. How could I boast? How could I look down? That's why I love William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. Somebody, you know, pointed out a guy that was just a real wretch, you know, and had done everything wrong. And they said, look at that guy. What do you think about him? I mean, he was the loser of all. And, and William Booth just, just quickly says, well, but for the grace of God, there am I. That's it. But for the grace of God. And that brings me to how do we apply grace. And this story is Luke 18, 9. Let's go through it real quick. Luke 18, 9 to 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness. All right, isn't that a great phrase? To some, uh, is there anybody in here that's confident of your own righteousness? All right, get ready. <laughs> and someone who looks down on everyone else, get ready. He's going he's gonna to lay it on you. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, Oh God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this <coughs> tax collector. I fast twice a week. 
and I give a tenth of all I get. But tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus, like, shocks everybody. He says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, the tax collector, the cheater, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. I can't tell you how shocking. You want to talk about a crowd where you could have heard a pin drop. This went so against the social grain of the religious mindset of that day. You see, the Pharisee would have, he would have been the guy who got the Good Housekeeping Citizen of the Year Award. I mean, he would have wore a gold thing around his, his you know, his, his neck. He was like, man, he was on the mayor's hero list. He was like, this is the, this is the citizen of all citizens. And then you had the other guy. He was the, he was the, the one, the lowest, the city bum, the one that nobody could stand. He had cheated his own people. And Jesus said at the end of this day, that man went home absolutely justified, clean before God. And the Pharisee received none. He went home alienated from God. How many know you can be, you can be around God but not know God? You can have the language of God and never really have the salvation of God. Jesus said in some day, that day someone's going to say, Lord, Lord, hallelujah. He's going to say, I don't even know you. You were around salvation, but you never got it. Because you could never get over yourself. As you worked on your image, as you took pride in your deeds, God moved to that poor, humble, penitent sinner. And gave grace. You see, what I find is so hard is not repenting of our sin, but of our righteousness. That we think, God, I, I know I've got some issues, but boy, compared to that guy, I'm pretty good. When we bring our righteousness, it's like, God, I'm going to pay you off. God, please forgive me. Here's 25 cents. For all my wicked sins. Are you, can, you think you could pay Jesus off because you went to church, because you did this good thing? And then Jesus says, here is the key. The key, if you want grace, is to humble yourself. The key, if you want grace, is to become like that person who sees no basis of appeal on your merit. Can I tell you what salvation it is? Salvation is the moment you quit trusting your merit and your righteousness to make you right before God and you entirely and only trust the righteousness of Jesus. As one hymn said, not one thing in my hand I bring but only to the cross I cling. Jesus, I come. It is this completely 
switching of our heart to all hope in our good works. I heard a funny story about this guy who had a dream. He's before St. Peter, and St. Peter's asking, why should I let you in heaven? And, and he said, well, what do I have to go to heaven? This is, of course, just a, a story, all right? He says, you got to have a 1,000 points. He says, okay, no problem. He says, man, I go to church every week. Okay, five points. Wow, okay. I've never cheated on my wife. Okay, three points. Uh, I, I tithe. Okay, five points. He goes on. He thinks of every good thing he's ever done. He gets to about 30 points. He says, does that mean I go to the other place? He says, oh, no. God, have mercy. I'm a sinner. He falls on his face. He cries out to God. And Peter says, all right, that's 970 points. Come on in. <laughs> it's that humbling of our hearts. It's forsaking self-righteousness. It is facing, and this, let me just say this. I, I'm not today asking, which one of these people are you? Are you the Pharisee or are you the public? Because guess what? I know me, I'm both, all right? Anybody agree there's still a Pharisee in you every once in a while? If you don't agree, you may be one, okay. <laughs> and that Pharisee comes out in all of us. And that Pharisee, you know what it does? It says, I don't need the grace of God. I'm good enough by myself. I can handle life by myself. I can be a good enough person by myself. I don't need forgiveness. Pharisee comes out in lots of ways. He comes out by criticizing others. Like this guy. Pointing out the faults of others. That's a Pharisee. He comes out by complaining. As I describe the towel rack. How could this happen to me? I'm deserving of so much more than this. Really? He comes out by comparing. God, did you see that speeder? Oh God, send a policeman after him. He deserves a ticket. Walker, you were just doing that five minutes ago. Oh Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me for all of my sins. But would you just nail that dude, please? Hallelujah. I bless him in Jesus' name. Now get his goat. Whoa, hallelujah. It is a judgmental attitude. I love this quote by Mirzlov Wolf. It says, enormous poison comes into my heart and into culture of the world. If I exclude my enemy from the community of humans... And I exclude myself from the community of sinners. Mostly it comes by my unwillingness to forgive. When I hold a grudge, when I say, God, I am trusting I need your forgiveness, I need mercy, but God, I will never, ever forgive that person. You see, there's this, this thing about grace. The only grace you get is that which you're willing to have other people have as well. And, and often we don't even realize it. It comes in an attitude. It comes in an I deserve it mindset. It, it comes in a superiority. 
It comes when we don't even cry out to God because we've got this. We rely on our dead works, our flesh. And what God longs to reveal to us is that pride in us that steals us from his pleasure, from his forgiveness, from his healing. And the point of all of it is this. When when we see ourselves as that publican, when we see ourselves as that guy, that girl, I don't deserve this. God will fill us with his grace. And you know what he wants us to do with it then? He wants us to be gracious. I love this verse in in Galatians 5.13. Why does God give you grace? You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. He goes on, the next verse says, the whole law is fulfilled in one command, love others. Everything God wants for our life is fulfilled by giving grace to other people who don't deserve it. Everything God's called us to be in our community, how will the world ever come to Christ? They will not be awakened by our demanding and our judgment. They'll be awakened by kindness. They'll be awakened by people who are so grateful for the goodness of God that they want to show that kindness to others. They want to forgive. They want to humble themselves. Paul would say after his salvation, I'm a debtor to everybody. Because God has been so good to me. This story calls it this. Uh, I was reading Gail Moody, and he talked about this, this guy who became like the spiritual leader of his whole community. But he was an orphan, and when he was a, a little boy, he was the worst of the worst. He got kicked out of every school. And, and finally, this one Christian teacher says, I'll let him come to my class. And he comes to her class. And he is just totally disrespectful. She tries to correct him. You know what he does? He spits in her face. Then she tries to calm him down. He, he says, come on, I'm going to walk with you. We're gonna no, I, w- I hate you. I'll never come to your class again. He just, he's vile. He's evil. He says, well, can, can you do? No, I'll never see you again. He says, will you do this? Will you just stop by my house tomorrow? I'm going to leave something on the porch. The next day, this boy stops by, and she has packed him this beautiful new outfit. She has written him this letter. She says, I love you, and I believe what you can be, and I want you to know, whatever you do, I know you don't want to ever come to my class again, but I will pray for you the rest of my life every day because you are so valuable. He, he didn't leave. He knocked on the door. In that moment in forgiveness, In weeping and tears, he gave his life to Christ. He went on to become not only the best student that school ever saw, but become the leader for God in his whole community. Why? He was touched by grace. I love this quote by John G. Lake. Down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings lie buried that grace can restore. Touched by a loving heart, wakened by kindness, cords that were broken, will vibrate once more. As we close, there's just three things I want us to pray about, and I brought them in this bag. The first thing I want us to do 
is would you bring your dirty rags to God? You know what the dirty rag is? It's your righteousness. <laughs> the Bible says our righteousness is a dirty rag. Everything you hope for apart from his grace. And then once you've done that, would you receive his crown? Because that's what he has for you. <laughs> Unconditional favor. And the last thing is, would you take, this is the only baton I got, would you take his baton to somebody and show his kindness? Let's stand. Holy Spirit, thank you for showing us a little from your word today about the unmerited favor of God. Lord, we so need your grace. God, we have only tasted little bits of it. And what we have tasted has changed us. We are so humbled, Lord, because we see ourselves so much, even in that Pharisee. And so I bring to you my dirty rags, my filthy, selfish pride. And I just admit it to you, God. There is in my soul this tendency to hold contempt towards other people, to find myself superior, to be unforgiving to hold on to an image of myself that I deserve. I deserve the right to be bitter. I deserve the right to stand as a victim in this world and to hate or whatever it is. And by the grace of God, I take that to the cross today. And I nail it there to not live there anymore. I leave the Pharisee in me behind. And I humble myself and receive your crown of grace. Undeserved favor. All that you gave for me, Jesus. Healing, goodness, mercy. The ability to be a child of God. And I gladly wear your favor. I am so blessed. I am so thankful. And I take the challenge to show that and give it to the world. If you're here today, somebody God is bringing to grace, would you open your heart to it? Would you say, I know I'm not where I need to be with God, but I see today that I need to turn to God and ask for his forgiveness. I want to just say a prayer. You can pray it right where you're at. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. I do not deserve your love. But I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. And I receive your grace, this best life that I could never deserve. I accept your forgiveness, salvation, heaven, and abundant life through what Jesus did in your precious name. And as we go, the prayer teams will be here at front. If you need prayer for healing, just for God's grace in any area of your life, we'd love to just come and call down the grace of God on you to experience his favor again. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Father, for their hunger for you. Fill them with grace. Make them messengers of your grace to all the people of this city today as they go. In the name of the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Have a beautiful week. We'd love to pray with you. We'll be down here.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.